Ladies and gentlemen, rev up your engines and get ready for the deal of a lifetime. Jim K. Ford is proud to announce the 2023 Ford F-150 clear-out sale, the event you've been waiting for. For a limited time only, Jim K. Ford is offering unbeatable discounts, jaw-dropping financing options, and mind-blowing trade-in deals. Don't miss out on the 2023 Ford F-150 clear-out sale at Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans, or jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right. <laughs> Get the fans stoked up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. It is the Sends Nation podcast. It is brought to you by our good friends at Jim K. Ford. And we've got a lot to get to over the next oh, 30, 40 minutes or so. I don't know what the hell to make of this team. The most Jekyll and Hyde team in the NHL. Last time we got together, we were bemoaning the losses to Anaheim, which was especially bad, and then losing to Chicago. Those are the 30th and 32nd place teams in the league. We said, oh, no. And then, of course, they go into Florida against a couple of playoff teams and end up looking like a playoff team themselves the way they played. They take three of a four possible points. Yep, Victor, you did. You did. It's right there on the hockey news. If you check uh, one of the most recent stories, you're up there saying this is what they're going to do. They're going to go to Florida and they're going to they're going to rock and roll. And that's exactly what they did. They beat Tampa four to two, and then they fall. They they did a great job coming back to tie the game at two, losing in overtime. And uh, I mean, again, we, we've said this a million times. Every time they play well, if they do that, boy, yeah, uh, the wins will take care of themselves. But who knows? I, I just don't know what to expect as the Sens come home to take on Dallas on Thursday night. Greg, how are you today? I'm good, Steve. I just want to get this out of the way right now. You know, yep. if they play if they play that way every night, you, you, you're going to win your fair share of games. Yes. If they get the bounces, a uh, couple of saves. Oh, yeah. All the cliches. They've been there since uh, the DJ Smith days, and they, and they remain today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, I was – I mean, you can only measure what's in front of us. And the two games since we last got together here on the podcast were just excellent. I really uh, liked the way they played. I thought they uh, played an entertaining brand. They were mostly where they needed to be. But then you take on a team like the Florida Panthers, and I think they talked about this on the broadcast. That is such a good team. They don't need you to make many mistakes for them to capitalize on it. Matthew Joseph kind of overruns Ekblad on a give-and-go. You had... Pinto trying to clear a puck and it ended up right in a guy's stick on Montour's stick and he buried a rebound. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's just how it goes sometimes. And we can't forget the overtime goal, which, well, let me get your take on it. Corpus Allo comes off his post a little bit and uh, Lundell buries it upstairs. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would have said to him with a good hint of sarcasm, like, good thing it went down there, Corpy. Like, seriously, like, I hate watching goalies go down and seeing a puck go over their shoulder. I've said it. I've said it to many a goaltender over the years. Like, how tall are you? Then the kid, you know, he's like six foot tall. And how high is the net? It's four feet. So, how does a puck get over your shoulder and under the crossbar? I don't understand how that happens. If he just stands up and plays his post like he should, I, I, I fail to see why he was going down. Why he was so far off his post? Like, okay, excuses. Maybe you know he's he's thinking there's going to be a pass across. How about a little bit of faith in somebody to pick up that guy in front of the net and you just handle the shooter, play the shooter. And he, he right. failed to play the shooter and looked terrible. Another bad goal. 
I couldn't tell if it was beating him between him and the post or if it was beating him in that slot above his shoulder or not. Oh, under the arm. Yeah. I thought you might have gone under the arm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. Either way, he, he was way off his post. I, I think it actually, I think it did go over his shoulder. But just like, come on, man. I'm just tired yeah. of it. It's too many years of too many goaltenders who give up too many goals where we go, uh, yeah, you should have had that one. Like, there's only yeah. so many times you can say, oh, he'd like to have that one back. Well, you know, it's it's numbering into a couple of dozen a year for most senator goaltenders that they'd like to have back. We're going to evaluate the senators, and uh, Jonas Corposalo is part of that mix because what we're evaluating today is the eight players on the team right now that I guess GM Pierre Dorian fancied as guys who could be part of this team's core. There are eight players on this team that have either three or as many as eight years left on their contracts. And so we're going to go through them one by one and assign them in terms of the concern level we have by way of a green light, amber light, or red light. And we'll get to that in a second. But on the specific topic of Corpusalo, do you know what his record is, apparently, since Jacques Martin arrived? Everybody says now that Martin has been here, there's been a better commitment to defense. There's been more defensive details. So you would think that that would improve the numbers of the goaltenders. But in the case of Corpusalo, apparently his numbers, according to a social media post I just saw from a reputable source, right now Corpusalo is 7-9-3 and three with an 8-83 save percentage since Jacques Martin and his sublime defense arrived. Scary. Absolutely scary. Really? Like, totally. I, your, your slot shots are down. Your shots against are down. Your scoring chances against are down. Your high danger scoring chances are down. And yet this goaltender still, uh, I, I don't know what more he needs. Uh, I Like I flip and I flop on this guy. Sometimes I know I've said on this show that, you know, I'd like to see him play behind a better defense and maybe he can show like he did in LA. And then other times I say, you know what? I've had enough of him. Get rid of him. Wait, is there a buyout option here that we could maybe explore? You know, I, 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 I admit I go from one extreme to the other on this guy and I just don't know. And right now, that uh, today I'm thinking uh, like I've had enough, like find a way to get rid of them. Uh, I don't know what it is, but find a way. Sounds like we've got a red light candidate here for our <laughs> exercise here. In the eight players who are on long-term contracts, but we'll get to that. The stat of the day. You thought that stat was interesting. This is the one and they put it on sports and at the other night that when the senators get a goaltending performance in a given game of 900 or better, Save percentage of 900 or better. Their record this season is NHL dominance. They are 19, 3, and 1. I don't even have to do the math to say that that would be, in terms of winning percentage or points percentage, that would be at the top of the league. However, when they don't get that goaltending performance, when it's 900 save percentage or worse, their record is 4, 24, and 1. At a glance, that seems insane. I'm sure somebody who loves going through the numbers and pouring through the stats will find a way to tear that thing apart as far as numbers go. Like what, what, like you were saying off the air, what's the rest of the league look like yeah. when uh, they get 900 save percentage from their goalie in any given game or, or not? But that still looks pretty glaring. And, and again, another indictment of the goaltending. Yeah, it, but if you stop and think about it, nine out of 10, nine, 900 is 90%, right? So that's... 
he gives up one goal every 10 shots would get you 900. So average night, say it's 30 shots on net. That's 27 saves. That's three goals. And that's probably about right. If you give up three or less, you should be winning vast majority of your games. So it makes sense. I just wonder what the rest of the league stats are. That's, that's my thing, but, but it does speak, it does speak to these, this goaltending tandem specifically, whether it's the whole league or not. It's, it's one of the few categories where, yeah, they're, they're exactly like the rest of the league. Instead of being, being terrible, their stats just might be bang on with the rest of the league. But Corpusalo save percentage, big goals, big save, big save percentage. Is there such a thing as that? Like how many times this guy make a big save? Either of them. You know, it's just not a, a common practice, a common occurrence with these goaltenders. So it makes sense to me, these stats, that that uh, 19, 3, and 1 makes perfect sense. Start of the year when we were talking about previewing the new season, uh, I think I was just taking a wait-and-see attitude because we were asking Forsberg and Corpusala to do something they just haven't done so far in their career. And so far, I haven't looked at either guy and said, yeah, that's uh, – that's uh, going to lead you to the promised land at some stage. That's a guy that's going to vie for a Vesna trophy someday. Attention truck enthusiasts. Are you ready to experience the power, performance, and innovation of a legendary vehicle? Look no further than the 2023 Ford F-150 at Jim K. Ford. We have incredible deals and financing options tailored just for you. Visit Jim K. Ford today and experience the thrill of driving the best-selling truck in Canada, the 2023 Ford F-150. Visit us at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! When Colin White was placed on waivers again today, I got thinking to myself initially, like, wow, I feel bad for that guy. You know, all the promise. Such a great kid, too. And then I remembered he's like, I don't know, anywhere between 15, 20, 30 million dollars he's made in his career. And I say, yeah, he'll be all right. He'll be good. He had a, so that's not too bad. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Pierre Dorian, Colin says. But with him on waivers, got me to thinking about Pierre Dorian and evaluating this group of eight that he's got. He's got eight guys right now that still have three to eight years left on their contracts. And so when he signed those guys, he's saying in his head, yep, I think those guys can be part of our core moving forward, part of our Stanley Cup recipe, as I keep calling it. And so I thought we'd break them down in terms of the ones you are concerned about and the ones you have no concern about. Mm-hmm. So this is the, uh, I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get the category for you here. Stand by, please. Stand by as I get the uh the actual, what do we call that in school? The uh, the legend <laughs> for, oh, okay. for everything. Yeah. Um, okay. So green light is zero worries. The guy's a stud. He's probably going to get studlier. Then you got the amber guys starting to be concerned, but I think it'll be fine. And then red worried. He's not living up to his contract right now. So let's begin with the obvious. I think we can say that our green lighters for sure. Or Tim Stutzla and Brady Kachuk, yes? I have a third. Uh, actually, okay. I, I, have, I have two other green lighters. I agree, wow. of course. Stutzla and Kachuk are both green light. I'm perfectly happy with everything I've seen from them, living up to their contracts, producing as they should. Not a worry in the world. Both will get better. Um, I also think that uh, Jake Sanderson fits in there. I'm perfectly pleased with Jake Sanderson's play, with his contract. He's good and will only get better. 
when there's better players around him, or not necessarily better players, when there's better system, more a better execution of the system around him, he will get better and better. Um, and I, I give Zub a green light too. I'm, I'm fine with the money they pay Zub, the length, the term, good deal, good player, uh, type of guy championship teams need, you know, a guy in the second pair, a guy who can play shutdown, a guy who looks good no matter who he plays with, a guy who makes whoever he plays with look better. Not a problem in the world with Artem Zub. Agreed on both counts. I just fired Stutzlis and Kachuk in there as the obvious ones. Some people might look at Sanderson. I do not. I feel good about it moving forward. But I think a lot of people were thinking maybe there'd be a a bit of a jump up as far as offense goes. I still think that uh, right now the team is trying to muddle through here, but what they have on the blue line and who's the stud, who's going to be the number one defenseman here moving forward. What's Chikrin's contractual status? Is is Shabbat going to figure things out? Is uh, Sanderson going to continue to elevate offensively? I like his overall game, but we're having a conversation about whether he's going to be worth $8 million next season for the next eight years. And so I think some people might have Sanderson potentially uh, out of the green light in the Amber area, but we'll go. I agree. I have him in, in green light and I'm going to really probably ruffle some feathers here with the other guy I have under a green light. And that's Drake Batherson. Dun, 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 dun. I think a lot of people, uh, he's got his detractors. I get that, but he has three more years left at $4.975 million. And he had 62 points last season. He's on pace for 60 this year. Are there flaws? Absolutely. But if you got a player consistently cracking 60 points that's under $5 million a year, I think that's a good contract still. Like look at the if you look at the point production of some of Batherson's peers um or just the general production, uh some of them, yeah, some of them are good, but there's a lot that make the same money, or maybe a little more that are just not bringing it. And so I think if you look at his peers, look at the contract being under $5 million, making 60, getting 60 points consistently per season. Uh, I think that's still a green light for me. Yeah, I get it. When you're looking at it uh, versus production versus contract. Yes. I'm looking at the player as a whole, excuse me. And is he getting better? Is he improving? Will he get even better from here? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not fully sold on, on whether the Drake is going to become a a perennial top six guy producing 30, 35 goals a year, when at one point that's what I thought he was going to be. Um, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure that he's a, uh, again, I'm not talking about the contract. Contract is phenomenal. What he produces and for what you've got him signed for is awesome. I just don't, I don't put him in the same class of, yeah, I'm good with that 100%. He's not the same class as a Stutzla or a Kachak or even a Zub for that matter. For me, we don't know if, we don't know if his game will continue to um, ascend. It's starting to look like he's settling into that 60 point range. And yeah, he's got flaws defensively. There's no doubt about that. But uh, what will get better is, is the way that 5 million looks because it's going to be 5 million for the next three years. And so others around him who are 60 point guys are, as they sign their new deals, they're going to be 6 million, 7 million, those types of guys. So, um, yep. but anyway, that, that there's, I mean, we've, we've, we've green lighted a lot of these contracts. Um, you have, uh, four of them. I have five of the eight. Now, now we dabble in potentially insulting listeners who are fans of certain players. Cause what I've learned is that no matter how big a Sens fan I am, when I criticize certain players, 
um, I lose listeners. <laughs> I lose followers. People give me replies that uh, that are really, really ugly. Um, so I hate to go down this road, but we are. The amber light and the red light. So where are you putting the likes of Josh Norris, Thomas Shabbat, Jonas Corposalo? I guess we're asking the question, which one which uh let us start with that which one wor- we'll go from the bottom up which one worries you the most i had that asked to me on a podcast this week corpusella worries me the most okay uh, I, I, your answer might be shabbat but but my answer would be corpusella i am i am most concerned with what you're paying him versus what you how you may be able to get out from under that and I don't see a trade partner. I get, who out there is going to want to take on that contract with his current resume and current statistical situation? I don't see them being able right. to get rid of that contract other than buying it out. And the fact that it's only $5 million may help with the buyout be a little bit less. Is it five or four? Four million times five years? Uh, for the buyout? No, no. What his contract is. Oh, what his contract is? is? It, yeah, it's uh, four million for f- five years. It was $20 million. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, it's either right. five million a year for four years or it's four million a year for five years. I just either way. Well, it, for the purposes of our for the purpose of our exercise, there are four more years on this contract. Okay, so it's never going to work out. I, I just I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think we're in agreement that he's never going to be a Vesna goaltender. He's never going to be a guy who takes you to the promised land. I'd be shocked if he's still here to play out that contract. Matter of fact, the way he's playing right now, I'd be shocked if he's even still in the NHL at the end of five years from now. Wow. So I just, to me, he's a red light in, in many ways, not just the performance on the ice, but he's a red light in, in how you're going to get out from under it. Other than a buyout or giving him away to somebody, I don't see how you're going to get out from under that contract. Corpusalo would be, I am more, most concerned about Corpusalo and his contract. So he's a red light. Yeah, he's a red yeah. light. But your answer, who are you most concerned about? Well, yeah, it's not a big surprise. I've talked about it here on the program. I've been uh, eviscerated for it on Twitter as though I've got some vendetta. I'm just evaluating what I'm seeing, and I don't see Thomas Shabbat um, coming out of this. And again, let's let, let, let's uh, once again go back to the legend so people know what it is. Red means worried. He's not living up to his contract right now. I would defy even the biggest Shabbat fans to tell me that he's an $8 million a year player and that uh, you want to see this continue for the next four years. Um, I think even with the red light, it doesn't close the door completely. There's a possibility that he finds his game again. And I, I don't mind him with the puck. When the Sens have the puck, oh yeah, I have no problem with Thomas Shabbat. But when it comes to the defensive side of things, and I don't need to go through it again because it just enrages listeners, some listeners, um, I, I, I just from a defense perspective, he's he's not nearly an $8 million a year player, in my opinion. And for that reason, he's my only red light candidate, to be honest. Mm, I have him as a red light as well, uh, but I do I do see signs. Uh, the, the offensive game has gotten better. Like, to be honest, Steve, part of the problem has not only been he hasn't looked great defensively, but he hasn't exactly produced offensively either. Like he, he's he's no longer the go-to automatic first power play unit guy. Um, he, he hasn't really produced any chickens out out producing him point wise. And of course, Shabbat was injured, but probably even on a points yeah. per game basis, he's nowhere near chickens level. It's close. Um, so it's not chickens leading, but it's 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 probably closer than you think. As Shabbat has now played 
uh, 22 games fewer than Jacob Chikrin, and he rolls in with 18 points to Chikrin's 30 points. So it's not that far apart. Points per game, Chikrin is slightly ahead, but not by much. Okay. I just Chikrin just seems to stand out more from an offensive standpoint, I guess. I, I don't know. But I, I that's the point remains for me anyway, is that I, I expect more from him offensively. Now that that's not just because he makes eight million dollars a year, but it's because he plays so many minutes. It's because his defense is as bad as it's been that his offense needs to be better just to compensate in some way, shape, or form. So he's he's definitely a red light for me for all those reasons combined. And yeah, you're 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 bang on. He's not currently living up to his contract, and I don't know that he's going to uh, ever you know get through this whole thing. It's still another what seven years at eight million. Ooh, he's got a long way to go. Oh no, he's only got he's. I think he's only got you're four. Sorry. Four You're or right. five? Only, five uh, yeah, four. His was signed a lot earlier. It's Norris who's still got so many more years to go. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. And Chikrin will be easier to trade, Stephen. There's a lot of teams in the league that would that would be, inter- or sorry, Shabbat would be easier to trade. There's a lot of teams in the league that will be interested in having Thomas Shabbat. And at $8 million a year, if you eat a little bit of his salary maybe, or you take back some salary uh, with the cap going up, I could see I could see a number of teams that would be would be willing to take that on and make that trade. Yeah, and I, I mean Jacob Chikrin. Um, I mean he's between the rest of this year and then the following year he's playing for his next extension. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I don't. I, I guess if he were in this category, let's say he had been, you know, eligible to be signed when he arrived here from Arizona last year, and let's say he was rocking a seven or eight year contract. He'd be on this list for me in the Amber category right now, to be honest. Because, mm-hmm. uh, um, I mean, you look at, I don't know, do people buy into the plus minus? I, I, I hear people, sometimes they want to jump off a cliff when somebody uses plus minus as a barometer of a player in any way, shape, or form. But it's still there, and the NHL still puts it out there. And I know it's got its flaws, but show me a stat that doesn't. Um, Chikrin right now is a minus 14 compared to Shabbat at plus three. Um, and Chikrin has been, yeah, he's noticeably in his own zone. Had he's had a, he's had a few struggles over the last little while. So, um, yes, jury's still out for me on him and on, on how to proceed. I, I think two months ago I would have said slam dunk. That's the guy. He's got he's a bigger body. He's going to knock some guys around a little bit. But now I'm not as sure as I was. How about you? <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I think um, I wonder uh, if he is 100 percent healthy. Um, right. I, and there's no doubt his heart's in it. And, and he was, his reaction to the talk around town, uh, what, a month or two ago that maybe he wanted out or wasn't happy here and all that sort of stuff. His reaction to it was really nice to see. It was basically like, like shut up people. Uh, this is my home. I love it here. Um, but I just I don't know whether I expected more or thought there would be more. I mean, that's the same thing. I guess I just, I expected more. Right. More everywhere, more defensive zone, better in the defensive zone, better offensively. I just, I expected more and so far I haven't, haven't had enough. Okay. Back to Corpus Alex. I didn't kind of give my view on him. I've got him in the Amber range just because I don't know jack squat about goaltending, but what I do know is that when the team is playing badly in front of him, then the goaltender is going to not be very good. And the guy fairly recently had a fantastic finish to the season with the LA Kings and went into the playoffs with them. So I'm not prepared to slide him into the red zone category until I see the team stop losing to the Anaheims and the Chicago's of the world 
and uh, and not have those glitchy moments and things because I think that there's got to be an adjustment too when you come to a new organization and they're a tire fire defensively. You're like, whoa, what is all this? So he's adjusting to the gong show that's happened in front of him. So I'm not prepared to suggest that uh, $4 million a year for a goaltender is crazy. It's a bad contract or anything like that. I think that there's still a chance. I am concerned, as Amber puts it. I have. Uh, I am a little concerned right now, but I do think there's a chance he could straighten things out. So I've got him as an Amber, and that brings us to Josh Norris to close it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, Josh you're Norris. You're a big Norris guy. I, I I love Josh Norris and always did. And I spoke uh, glowingly about Josh Norris going back to the trade before he ever got here. I said, this is the guy. He's going to be the difference maker in this trade. Where do you see right. this guy? And uh, for the most part, he, he came in here and did everything I thought he would do. He was 35 goals, wasn't it? You know, the one T in the power play looked great. Plays a good two-way game. And then comes the shoulder, and then the shoulder again, and the shoulder has yeah. been three times now. And for the last, well, all this season, I'm starting to get worried. Um, I'm not starting. I am. I'm now officially worried. I'm concerned. I'm yellow. I am amber on Josh Norris. And I'm just wondering exactly what he is or what he's going to be. Is he going to be that guy he was when he started, or is he now this guy? Is this now what he is? a guy who played the grocery stick on the bench the other night in the third period for stretches against Florida. I'm concerned about Josh Norris and he's an Amber for me. Yeah. 26 points in 46 games. Who would have thought that Matthew Joseph would be outscoring him at the start of the year? Everybody's talking about, well, maybe Matthew Joseph can solve the salary cap crisis by unloading him. Cause he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't exactly lighting it up last year and, uh, and, and makes the kind of money that he does. Well, Joseph has more points than Josh Norris does right now. And uh, Josh Norris is still 24, which is partly why he's still an amber. But I'm sure that you can think of at the pro level or even in your own coaching career, players who are different after a major injury or two Mm. in that it takes away sometimes. I'm not saying that's the case with Josh Norris, but it is potentially at play uh, when guys get a bad injury and they keep re-injuring it. It can sometimes take a little fire out of the game. Your willingness to go to some of those dirty areas to get a puck that'll help you get a point on a play. Um, I, I just worry a little bit that uh, maybe Josh Norris has, has, has lost a little bit of that zest right now. But again, at 24, I think, still think there's a chance that he gets it back. I think there's still a lot of skill there for sure. But this this is one where there is a bit of uh you know, hindsight, uh, 2020 scenario. Some people are always saying, you know, I, I didn't say that when it, when it was signed. A lot of people did say when he signed that long-term contract that his shooting percentage was off the charts the year that he got 35 goals and got the big contract. And people suggested that's a hard shooting percentage to maintain, Pierre. And so those people are probably kind of going right now, told you, huh? told you. Yeah, I agree with that, but there are other stats, Steve. There there are stats that we don't even know about. There they, these guys keep statistics on everything. And and at the time, while the Sens maybe didn't have an internal uh statistical department that you would have liked them to have, they did at least have a contract and use sport logic. So they were aware. There were things all kinds of stats. You know, what's his What's his expected goals for when he's on the ice, expected goals against? Uh, what are the scoring chances, percentages when he's on, when he's off, uh, plus, minus in, in those categories? 
There's all kinds of other statistics that I would like to think that Pierre Dorian took into consideration before he said, yeah, this guy's worth $8 million. I like yeah. to think it was a lot more than just, oh, shooting percentage. But hey, you never know. Stranger things have happened with some of the contracts have been handed out over the years. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I think uh, that's why he's. Uh, I don't. I don't see how you could possibly have him in the green category at this stage, based on the season that he's had coming off the the shoulder problem and and starting the year missing the first couple of games wasn't quite ready. It seemed to take forever to get that thing recovered. So at least he's played forty six games. That's step one. And uh, as he moves forward, the longer he goes without any kind of reoccurrence of an injury, whether it's the shoulder or something else, I think that he'd get a little more confident. I see Jacques Martin is using him on the penalty kill, seeing what he's got there. Um, and, and he's had some good games, like a couple of times in the last week and a half, just moments where he was willing. I saw him really clever little play where so much stick skill, puck skill, as, as he's about to get smoked by the defenseman at the offensive blue line, he had to make two or three quick little moves and then handed it off to keep the play alive. And Ottawa had, came in for a scoring chance after that. I was like, that's more Josh Norris like. So maybe moving forward, that trend continues. So that what does do it think? for. Well, hang on, what? hang on. I'm All sorry. Right. What Go do you ahead. think of Josh Norris on the power play playing on his quote unquote strong side? Like they've changed that unit now. You've got Giroux on the right flank and you've got Norris on the left flank. They're both on their strong sides. There isn't a one T setup on that one unit. And I, I just I keep finding it strange. What are they what are they up to? What is that? Have you yeah, I don't know that? if you're if you tell me you know they've decided to you know slide Tarasenko over on that right side to replace Josh Norris nope. then I'd, I'd get my head around that but yeah to have two guys on their strong side uh, that Very does strange. not make a lot of sense to me but I, you know at at this stage of the game you know I believe in Jacques Martin and his coaching ability and his hockey knowledge and I really think at this stage of the game stuff like that should be happening because it should all be experiments. There's, there's nothing to play for anymore. Wins and losses. Yeah, you, you'd like the kids to win. You don't want this to be a job they hate coming to work to. But at the same time, you've also got to figure out what you've got here. Um, I don't have an answer for that particular one, though. That right. does seem a little uh, outside of the box, uh, if you will. Like, just flip them. Why not flip them? I mean, does, that, that makes no sense. It's the Steve Warren blender theory. I'm familiar <laughs> with the Steve Warren blender theory. Try anything, try everything, whatever happens. Stick with it, see what comes of it, whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with that theory. You've used it a lot. The mad science theory. I That's it, the mad science, it. yeah. <laughs> now, moving on, you said you saw one of the, um, or two of the athletic writers this week uh, talking about a Vladimir Tarasenko trade. And when I heard it, I was a little bit, what's the expression? What's the what's the open-ended question there? What the hell are you guys talking about? Give me the yeah. Give me the deal. It's crazy. It was an article in the Athletic. We we won't even talk about who the two writers were, but essentially it was a um, you know um, twenty twenty four NHL trade line de- trade deadline perfect fits. Right okay. here's yep. the proposal these two clowns put forward for Vladimir Tarasenko: trade him to Edmonton. Uh, Ottawa retains seventy five percent of the salary. Uh, in exchange for a 2024 second round pick, a 2024 sixth round pick, and an additional 2025 fourth round pick, which would go to the third party who would take the retention. Like, you're really going to trade Vladi Tarasenko for a second and a sixth? Come on. 
and 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 pay for most of his freight. Well, apparently somebody else is going to pick that up. Oh, some right, of course, third yeah. party. Yeah, Edmonton will give a fourth round pick to somebody else to chew up that seventy five percent. Just it just doesn't make sense. Like a second and a sixth, sixth. Like, come on. Well, the guy's we, we on like pace. It. I mean, the guy's on pace for sixty points. Yeah, last year, last year Vladimir Tarasenko. Let me just do the quick math here. He had fifty points. So this year he's tracking to be 10 points better than last year. And last year the Blues got a first rounder. You think the Sens are going to settle for a second and a sixth? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not buying that one. I don't understand where I, – I, like I get it when it's a local guy. Like if, And you, you see it all the time on Twitter with fans of the Senators with their trade proposals. And mm-hmm. you tend to – over exaggerate the value of your own players to what you're going to get, and you yeah. tend to undervalue what you're trying to trade for. Oh, we can get so and so for a fourth when when we all know that's not possible. I get that, but these guys are guys who cover the National Hockey League for the Athletic, like professionals. You think they'd know better than that? But the other one that I caught was uh, Craig Button the other night on TSN discussing the Edmonton Oilers and what their needs may be at the trade deadline, and he seemed to think that one of their biggest needs was a third or fourth line, a bottom six right shot center who can kill penalties. He felt this was very important that they get a right shot center who could kill penalties in their bottom six. And to me, that's got Mark Kasselik written all over it. Right. Yeah. He's played a lot better in the last few games, I've thought. Unfortunately, he's a bit of a gentle giant. I think if he if he get if he could put a little mean, a little more mean into that guy, I know he drops the gloves from time to time. But uh, just, you know, more hits just because, you know, you're in the vicinity of you just finish that thing. You you have the right to do it. You don't need to do it, but it helps. You know, I, I think it helps get uh, defensemen on their heels and and skittish back there. I'd like to see that guy throw his weight around a little more. And, and when he does, he's I think he could be a really effective fourth line center for somebody, whether it's, uh, you know, this particular trade you're talking about or ongoing with the Ottawa Senators, or whether it's a fourth line center or a fourth line winger, I like the player. And I, and again, I think um, I saw a couple of beauty back checks uh, to break up really good scoring opportunities here in the last week and a half. So um, keep that up. And uh, well, he's going to be on oh. somebody's radar, whether it's the Sens next head coach or some other NHL team at the deadline. Right. He, he's he's the kind of guy that you win Stanley Cups with. Right. right. He's he's the type of player. Uh, he's like a Nick Paul. You know, the type of guy who's uh, Chris Kelly, Let's there's a Stanley Cup winner, who was exactly that type of player. You know, bottom six guy, but but uh, could could show some flashes here and there, but a bottom six guy who just gives you an honest night's effort, and, and you win Stanley Cups with guys like that. Yeah, and a guy toyed with 50 goals in, in the Western Hockey League, that might be in the same spirit of the way Jacques Martin used to use Zdeno Chara in front of the net on the power play. That might be something to experiment with as well. As uh, you know, it's they've kind of scuffled this year. They haven't they haven't exactly been a dominant power play unit throughout most of the year. In the mad science of the remaining uh, part of the season, that might be there something to toy with as well. Yes, it's all mad science. Uh, as is our uh, agenda for today's program, which is about done here. Morgan Riley appeals his five game suspension for going squirrely and cross checking Ridley Gregg in the side of the head for the sin of slap slapping the puck into the empty net too hard. Uh, Riley goes over and gives him a cross-check in the side of the head, got five games for it, and then appealed. And I found it interesting to hear Gary Bettman's 
comments. It was something like it, it you know, because the, the Leafs came marching in. It was Shanahan. It was Tree Living. And they were all going the same thing. Well, what Ridley Gregg did was provocative. And, and Gary Bettman's actual quote was something along the lines of, that argument is utterly irrelevant. Oh, exactly. Love it. <laughs> love it. Uh, now, here's the thing. And this may not go over well with any blue team fans who who may tune into us. Um, I really think that if it were somebody other than Morgan Riley, if that were Tyler Batuzzi, if that were Max Domi, if that were another Leaf with a bit of an edge to his game and a bit of a reputation, I think it would have been more than five games. I think it, it worked out to Morgan Riley's benefit that he is seen as a gentlemanly uh, sane, stable kind of guy who this is out of character. Otherwise, I could have seen it being more than five games. Right. I thought Clara Hannah, I'm not sure she was the only one, but she's the one I saw post it, that how crazy it is that Riley, as he appeals his suspension, the NHL put out an 11-page statement yeah. explaining the ruling and why it's held up. And meanwhile, Shane Pinto gets suspended for 41 games for gambling, and it is a one-paragraph statement that's basically, he's suspended for 41 games. We have no further comment at this time. Yeah, there was a lot of people making jokes and cracks about that. And yeah. That's the NHL for you, right? You've got to, yeah. especially when it comes to the Leafs too, right? That's That's a big part of this, that it's the Leafs, that the NHL has to make sure that they don't look like they're doing any favors for the Leafs because half- well over half the hockey public believes the NHL does favors for the Leafs. But at the same time, they can't look like they're being too hard on the Leafs because the other half of the hockey public believes that the NHL has it in for the Leafs. You got to really walk a tightrope when it comes to the, the blue team in the NHL. Yeah. Boy, the city of Ottawa is on a roll when it comes to pro sports franchises. We get the PWHL, which is going gangbusters at TD Place this year. Love to see that. Uh, and now we've got a pro lacrosse team coming back. The Sens are now partnering with the ownership of the New York Riptide of the National Lacrosse League. And on Wednesday morning, they made a joint announcement with the league, with the team. Aaron Crow, the uh, CFO of the Sens, was there. And uh, it was great to see that uh, pro lacrosse is coming back. I, I, I'll, I'll be upfront. I don't know much about lacrosse. Uh, I haven't I really never played it. I haven't been a fan, per se but I'll probably go to a game and check it out and see if I like it. And I know the, those who like it, like it a lot. And so I, I saw a lot of favorable commentary from people pretty jacked that uh, Ottawa's got a lacrosse team for the first time in over 20 years. We had the ill-fated rebel that lasted three years and won nine games in three years. But uh, the Ottawa black bears start play. I believe uh, the season runs from early December this year to uh, April of next year. Did we get an explanation of the name? What does the black bear have to do with Ottawa? Is, that, is there something going on there that I don't know about? I, sh- I wish it was a red black bear. Huh? <laughs> with no space in between the red and the black. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do have black bear sightings in the city of Ottawa and the outskirts of it, but I don't really, as with the Ottawa Lynx back in the day, they had to explain, oh yeah, the Lynx are everywhere. So I don't think I've seen a single Ottawa Lynx, which was our AAA baseball team back in the 90s and early 2000s. I, I, they explained to me, oh, yeah, there's links all over the place here. And I'm like, I've still, really? to this day, never seen an actual links. Have you? No, never. Okay. Well, here's one, though. Did you know, do you know, uh, like of the top five cities in North America for rainfall, mm-hmm. did you know that Tampa is one of them? 
I did That's not. where the name comes from. That's where the name comes from. Apparently, lightning storms in Tampa is is it's one of the number one or two cities in North America for lightning sites and lightning cracks and lightning whatever they're called, lightning storms. I had no idea. I learned that the other day. There you go. I would tell humidity, humid Florida. Yeah, this. I guess that stands to reason. Never really thought about it. But there's some weather trivia to end the program today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we appreciate you being here today. Don't forget that our website is sensnationhockey.com. I'll put in a plug once again uh, because I can uh, for the hockey news. <laughs> THN.com slash Ottawa. All kinds of cool Sens articles there. Uh, I urge you to give that a try. Greg, enjoy your evening, and we shall talk to you in our next episode. Good night, my friend. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.